0: Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist TJ Malcanji. them yet before you can uh, you can still go on the Facebook archives we keep all of our previous and prior videos there Uh, so we have face we have a part one which was praying according to the will of God in order for your prayers to be answered they have to be according to God's Word and God's will Bible says in 1st John chapter 5 and verse 14 now we have this confidence that if we ask anything according to his word he hears us and if he hears us we know that we've received whatever we've asked of so you know Without a shadow of doubt of a doubt that if you can locate the promise in the scripture and enforce that that scripture in prayer, that God will pull through. Number two, we dealt with on uh Wednesday was praying with uh what was number two? Praying praying according to the will. Number two was praying. What was number two? Goodness gracious, I listened to so many sermons since then. Understanding that God is good. Understanding that God is good. So praying with an understanding that God's not trying to take from you or God's not, you know, what people love to quote. And they love to sing that song in, in churches. You know, He gives and takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, well, if you actually look at that scripture in context, which it, the book of Job is a tricky book because you have to really read it with a with a heckload of context and understanding as to the time that Job was in and uh, and and the covenant that God had made with man at that point, there was no covenant other than the the Genesis, you know, the the, the Genesis six covenant, which was as long as the earth remained seed time and harvest. So there was really no, there. Abrahamic covenant wasn't in place. The Mosaic covenant wasn't in place. So when you read Job and you you read things that he said, like he gives and takes away, or you read you know though he slays me, it I'll follow him. Though those God's not out to slay you. God's not what the world likes to paint a picture of him as. Some, you know, Zeus-looking fella in the heavens with a lightning rod in his hand trying to zap anyone that slightly deters from his... That's not what God, God is like. That's the absol- absolutely polar uh, opposite of what God is like. God loves people. God loves mankind. The Bible says he gave his only begotten son that because he loved the whole world so much that he, he sacrificed his own son That whoever believes on Him should not perish but come to repentance. Moreover, the Bible says this is a trustworthy statement deserving of full acceptance. God wants everyone to be saved. And not just saved for salvation so that we can go to heaven. That word saved is sozo. Sozo means fully walking in God's master plan spiritually, solically, and physically. Sozo is a full salvation package in the spirit realm in the soulical realm, and in the physical realm. It's a a three-part package. It's not just God's interested in getting your spirit to heaven, and then to heck with your body. Actually, that was a, a heresy Paul had to deconstruct in Corinth. When they thought that, you know, it didn't matter what our bodies went through or what our bodies did, as long as our spirits were right with God, we'd make it to heaven. Paul actually said, Hey, don't you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Ghost? That God himself... Has made you to be a temple of His, a, a, a custodian of His presence. That we are to glorify God not only in our spirit but in our bodies, which are God's. We've been bought with a price. So God is interested in our full soul. God is a good God. And now, part three, what I'm going to deal with today, which is imperative in order to have a successful, effective prayer life, is to pray prayers with faith. Faith has to be tied on to every single prayer you pray. And what is faith? Faith is being fully persuaded of God's truth, no matter what you see. Faith is being fully persuaded of God's truth, no matter what you see physically. What your natural senses, smell, touch, hearing, eyes. No matter what your sensical, physical senses are able to, to, to discern. Faith sees past that. Because what does the Bible say? We walk not by sight. We don't walk by our, our five senses. We walk by faith. But faith isn't blind either. That's where, I, that's where people get it wrong. You know, faith is just taking a step, not knowing where you're going. Faith is just taking the next step, the next blind step, and hoping God will hold you, hold you up. That's not faith. Faith is actually seeing past what the world can see. People, faith is not evidenceless. Faith has evidence. Faith is not void of evidence. Faith holds evidence. Faith has evidence. What's the evidence? It's the Word of God. Jeremiah chapter 1. Hey, Jeremiah, what do you see? I see with my spirit. I see the branch of an almond tree. I will now hasten my word to perform, to perform it. So faith is not blind, and faith doesn't, is not void of evidence. Faith is the evidence. Of things hoped for, of things expected, of things desired. Faith is the evidence. So it's substantial. Faith, another translation says, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. So faith is substantial. It's something that can be held, it's something that can be touched, it's something that can be seen, but it's not seen with our flesh or carnal state. It's seen with our our spirit. That's why God told Abraham, Abraham, lift up your eyes. Look northward, look southward, look eastward and westward. As far as your eyes can see, I'll give it to you. Faith sees in the Word of God. Faith sees in the Word of God. It locates things. It's, it, faith allows you to have an explorative mindset towards the Word of God, where you begin to explore. Just like you know uh, Christopher Columbus had an explorer's mindset, and he, he, he wanted to see past what Europe was showing him, and so he ventured off. That's what faith does. Faith will allow you to venture off, to see past what your circumstances are blinding you to see, so that you can actually retrieve the answer of what you're needing. So turn to James chapter five, James the f- fifth chapter. and starting from verse, verse uh, 16. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, meaning it produces much. That's something you have to get in you, is that you, you have to understand that prayer produces results. Prayer is not some religious exercise that we do mundanely just to waste time. Prayer produces results. When I get down on my knees to pray, I'm not praying so that you know I can pass time or this is just a hobby I like to talk. To. You know, I'm praying to the God of heaven and earth. I'm praying to the one who's able, far more able, to do exceedingly and abundantly all that I can ask, think, or imagine, according to the power of prayer working through me. I, I'm not praying to waste time. I don't like wasting time. You can ask my wife. I hate wasting time when we hit traffic anywhere at like an off time, where I'm not in rush hour traffic, and we hit traffic anyways, I can't stand, it kicks, it's like one of the things that really makes me see red. I, I, if that's how I am with those things, you can imagine, I'm not gonna get down and pray for an hour a day, half an hour a day, just so I can like, you know, you know, keep my my soul at ease. No, I'm not, prayer doesn't just keep your soul at ease. Prayer produces great results. You have a bunch of religious people that will try and get you to... And you know what? Every other religion in this world will tell you that prayer is just a religious, a spiritual exercise to keep you in Zen. To keep you in some spiritual high or some like, you know, nirvana. That's what every other religion tells you. And you look at the Quran, they'll tell you that prayer is just a, a spiritual discipline. We pray because Allah requires it and that's and nothing more. Buddhists will tell you to pray to keep your soul in in a state of nirvana to get yourself closer to that high high that spiritual high phase but the bible is the only religious book which it's not it's the word of god it's the i hate calling it a religious book cuz it's not you can't even compare it to the other the other one's just the work of men this is the work of the holy ghost the bible says holy men of god spoke as they were moved on by the holy spirit this book doesn't just tell you to pray because it's you know it's it'll keep you in some zen or some shape of love where you'll be more kind to people. No, this book tells you to pray. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me and I will show you. I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you've never seen. God's the o- the God of the Bible is the only God that ever said, pray to me and see if I won't open up the heavens and release a blessing to you where you won't even, you'll have to pinch yourself to see, am I still dreaming? God is not some fictional figure or some, you know, philosophy. God is 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 a, a being. And he's not blind. He's not deaf. He has eyes to see. He has ears to hear. And he has an arm that's still mighty to save. That's why he said in Isaiah, is my arm shortened that it can't save? Is my arm too short that it can't save? Meaning, are, are are you are you, are you praying to a God who can't do anything? Are you are you not expecting me to pull through for you? No. When you pray, expect marvelous results. Expect the God of heaven to display His manifest power and glory on your behalf. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. It's not some futile, worthless, wasteful exercise. Prayer. Is what gets the attention of the God of heaven. What did David say? I look to my mountain. And I'll look a little above. I'll look from where my help comes from. I see my mountain. But I look a little higher. And I see where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. Prayer will tie you in. To the greatest helper. That this world has to offer. Prayer will tie, will make you a co partner. With the only one that can assist you. In getting you out of your problem. You have to see prayer that way. Prayer ties you in. It knits you to the one who's able far more abundantly to take you out of that miry clay, to rip you out of that ash heap and sit you in an abundant place. David said constantly throughout the song, I cried out to the Lord and the Lord ignored me and nothing happened. But I knew now that this was some some, uh, form of, of discipline God had no I cried out to the Lord and the Lord heard me and he delivered me he's took me out of a narrow place and he set me on a broad place I meaning he takes me out of the corner You know, some of you today, you might feel like you're cornered. You might feel like all hell has broken loose against you. You might feel like you're you're feeling the pressure of every demon in hell. But let me tell you, you're just one prayer away from the rescuing hand of God, sweeping your way, taking you out of that narrow cornered place and placing you into a place of abundance, a broad place where you're not afflicted, not oppressed, but in freedom for where... Prayer gets the Spirit of God to come on your uh, to, to intervene, and where the Spirit of God is, there is total freedom. You're one prayer away. Don't let the devil deceive you into thinking that you know what you can pray, but ultimately it's in God's hands. Actually, if you'll find out in in the Word of God what the will of God is, if you'll find out what His His express will and nature is for your situation and circumstance, you'll see. That God has a way out. That there's no problem that's come upon. Him that's, that, that's uncommon. It's all common. It's not some special case. Everything's just common. And God is faithful. He's provided a way of escape. This book, the Bible says, if we neglect so great a salvation, we're we're, we're doomed. But if we won't neglect the great salvation of the Bible and what the Bible says Jesus did for us at the cross, if we won't neglect it, but we'll embrace it, we'll speak it, confess it, and pray it through and enforce it. God said, you're to pray that my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we'll enforce God's will in heaven, On earth, you'll see there won't be any satanic uh, entity or adversary that will be able to successfully wipe you out. But you'll always be on a highward, upward trajectory from today onward. Prayer availeth much. Turn turn to James 1. We're we're speaking on praying the prayer of faith or praying a faith-filled prayer. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, so this is talking about wisdom, but you you can put anything that's in God's will is to give you wisdom, but God's will is to give you healing. God's will is to give you breakthrough. God's will is for your marriage to succeed. The Bible says what God has brought together that no man put asunder. God's will is for your children to succeed. The Bible says the Lord will give you increase, you and your children. God's will is for your children to be saved. God's will is for you to increase in your, in your job, to move on in your career. The Bible says, I will bless you a thousand times more and set you high above so that nobody will be above you. You'll always be the head. So you know it's God's will to move you forward. So you can say, if any of you lacks promotion, if any of you lacks, you, you, you can, whatever it's God's will to give you. And if you're lacking that thing, you know that you're, you have the ability to pray that thing. If any of you lacks wisdom, Let him ask of God. So don't keep silent. The devil can keep you silent. And that's another thing. Prayer is not meditation. There's a time to meditate and there's a time to ask and pray. There's a time to keep silent and there's a time to open up your mouth. Most people stay in the same rut for years and years and years. Because they they think, just thinking about. That's where our thoughts and prayers are with you. Our thoughts. Or our thoughts are with you. What, what is our thoughts? Your thoughts aren't going to change anything. Your thoughts aren't going to produce. Jesus never went up to a, a, a blind man and say, my thoughts are with you. No. He always opened up his eyes. God's not interested in hearing your thoughts. God's interested in moving on your behalf and, and helping you. The help of man is useful. With man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. And he doesn't want to just tell you all things are possible. He wants to prove to you that all things are possible to such as do believe. So you, you can't keep silent. As long as you silent, closed mouth equals closed destiny. A closed mouth equals a closed destiny. If the devil can keep you heavy enough where you just keep silent, you'll stay in that rut. The Bible says in Psalm 81, that it was the Lord your God who took you out of the land of Egypt. Now open up your mouth wide and I will fill it. God will only fill the mouth of those who are open wide, the mouths that are open wide. God will only fill the mouths that are open wide. Answered prayer belongs to those that ask. Answered prayer belongs to those that ask. You have not because you ask not. You have to. Ask. It doesn't matter what you're feeling. A lot of you. you you know, you feel that, and, and I felt that before, where you feel this resistance in your spirit. You feel, it's, it's really your flesh trying to set itself against your spirit. And you feel a resistance to get into pray. You feel a resistance to open up your mouth and ask. But if you'll just, you'll, you'll just truck through that, that initial like two or three minutes, and pray through it, you'll find that the Holy Ghost, the Bible says in Romans 8, 26, that the Holy Spirit will help us in our weaknesses. When we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit will come alongside, and he's called the helper. He's the paraclete, the one that comes alongside, and he'll actually enable you to pray powerful prayers. You'll see. That, you know, you might have to do it two or three minutes in the flesh, but then when the Spirit comes, it'll begin to flow through you like a river that can't be damned, a river that can't be shut, and you'll find that half an hour, an hour, will be too short. It'll begin to burst forth. He said it'll be like you, it'll, it'll be like you. Uh, it'll be in you, like a wellspring of life, bursting forth unto eternal life. If you're tuning in now, I'd encourage you to share this broadcast, and uh, I thank you in advance for sharing it. Let him ask. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask. You're to ask, not to keep silent. Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Uh, you go to a lot of prayer meetings in America, and it's just, it's, it's a meditation session. There'd be no difference in a Christian, Pente- even Pentecostal, prayer meeting, and most Buddhist temples where they've taken a vow of silence. It's just everybody's, they got their notepad, and they got their pen, and they're just taking notes. What are you, what are you taking notes of? You haven't said anything. What do you th- you have to ask? Prayer is not a a, a sit down and uh, there is a time. No, I don't want I want you to get I want you to get me right here. There is a time to stop talking and to listen. That's for sure. But there has to be dialogue. Could you imagine if I got home after some meetings and I came to I, I came to my wife and she asked me how did it go and I just sat there with a notepad it would be a dull marriage. It would be a very awkward marriage. It would just be her talking the whole time and me just sitting there with a notepad, sketching down like some, you know. Their, their dialogue is, is, is needed if prayer is going to be successful. You have to voice your, your concern. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. And if you actually continue, Psalm 81, 10 through 12, I think it is. The Bible says, had you opened up your mouth, I would have filled you with the finest of grain. I would have given you abundance. You, from, from the flint of the rock, I would have given you abundance of oil. I would have made it pour forth on your life. But you would not listen to me, nor did you heed my advice. Therefore, therefore nothing changed. But had you heeded my advice, I would have soon turned my hand against your adversaries. I would have turned my hand against your enemies. God will not arise until your mouth, until your voice arises. God will not arise in your favor until your mouth opens and your, your, your voice and your words rise. You have to let your words rise before God arises. But let me tell you, when you start to open up your mouth and God arises, the Bible says, let God arise and every one of your enemies are scattered. Let me tell you, every devil every opposition, every opposing force against the fulfillment of the answered prayer that you're praying for today in the name of Jesus Christ. As you open your mouth wide now, God, the God of vengeance, arises and executes vengeance against every satanic adversary that's been withholding the answered prayer in Jesus' mighty name, in the name of Jesus. That was Daniel's problem. He had prayed for 21 days. And when the angel came, he said, From the very first day that that you opened up your mouth, there was was opposing forces opposing me from getting the answer to you. You know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of those strongholds. What are some of those weapons? I'm talking about prayer, but you want, want one key? To really make your prayer, you know, accelerate the answered prayers, accelerate the answer to your prayer coming to you, is you mix your prayers with fasting. You, you, you give, up, give up a day. If you've never fasted before, take a day just to fast. Take a meal just to fast. And you'll see. You'll see. that There'll be an extra salt and pepper seasoning on the words you pray. There'll be an extra weight when you pray. There'll be an extra uh, fluidity. In getting those words out. And not only, it'll just be the whole, fasting breaks down your earthen vessel and lets the treasure of God's Spirit work effectively through you. So you'll see your prayer life will be intensified. So if if you're really, you've been praying for something for years and years and years, but you haven't seen anything, no results. Mix a day with fasting and you'll see. You'll see what, what prayer alone couldn't do. When you tie on fasting with that, the Bible says, so then shall your light break forth and your healing shall speed forth speedily. But that's not what we're... We're not talking about fasting necessarily today. Although, if you add fasting to prayer, it, it definitely does not hurt. It helps a lot. I've seen answers to prayer that when I when I was praying for them, for months, nothing happened. I tagged on fasting to it, and all of a sudden, it was like an explosion of divine grace. And what I had been contending for for months just dropped into my lap. There, there's something about... it's not. It's not just a spiritual exercise like I said before. It's not a discipline to try and just sharpen ourselves. No, there's power produced in fasting and prayer. But that's another, another sermon. Verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it shall be given unto him. But let him ask in faith. We're talking about praying the faith-filled prayer or praying prayers with faith. Let him ask in faith. With no doubting, not with some doubting, not let him ask in faith, but if he still has questions and skepticism, he he can still voice that. God knows his heart. No, let him ask in faith with no doubt. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. No, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. You know where doubts arise? Doubts arise when you start leaning on your own understanding, when you try to reason things out. You know that was the secret of Abraham's success. Romans chapter four. The Bible says God had spoken to him. So shall your descendants will, will outnumber the stars in the sky. So shall your descendants be. And Abraham did not waver at the promise of God in unbelief, because he didn't consider or he didn't reason with his mind, with his mental faculty. He didn't start thinking with his carnal mind and start saying, "Well, I'm a hundred years old. I mean, it, it was impossible when I was younger." You know Sarah wasn't conceiving. Imagine now at a hundred, there's no way it'll happen now. And nor did he consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. Oh, she's like I think she was ninety years old or something when she gave birth to Isaac. Well, oh, look at her. She's eighty now, 85, 80. It, it's not getting any better. You're not getting any younger. Your your womb's not getting any healthier. He didn't he didn't lean on his own understanding. The mind will always always gravitate towards Natural, look, reverting back to your natural senses, but if you'll operate by the wisdom which is from above, what's the wisdom from above? It's the it's the word of God. If you'll operate by what God's word has said, you'll see. You, it, it'll be easy not to lean on your own understanding. The Bible says he leaned on his own understanding. He did not consider his own body, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God, because he was fully persuaded. Not Abraham wasn't walking around, you know, we'll just test this out. No, I'm fully persuaded what God has promised, he's gonna perform and he'll do it for me and he'll do it today. And Abraham held his Isaac, but let him ask in faith without doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of a sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose that he should receive anything from the Lord, he's double minded and unstable in all his ways. You know, Jesus Christ, the most anointed one, when he walked on the earth, he went to a town called Nazareth, which was his, his hometown, and the Bible says he could do no mighty works there, that no miracles were being wrought, nobody was getting healed, nobody was getting delivered, there was no demon, there was no great, there was no resurrections from the dead, and it wasn't because, you know, Jesus had actually had an off week that week, you know he wasn't uh, he, he wasn't feeling good himself, so he wasn't able to really articulate his words in his preaching. no, and it wasn't because you know the town uh the the, the, the town that he, Nazareth was really notorious for you know for no no minister that had gone there before had ever received miracle uh, had ever seen miracles in their mi- no, it was because the Bible says they didn't have faith. He couldn't do mighty miracles because of their unbelief, because of their unbelief. Uh, it's, you have to pray with absolute faith, not with the presence of doubt, with the absence of doubt. Perfect faith. That's what Jesus was saying. If you, have, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Be thou uprooted and cast into the sea, and it will obey you, and nothing will be impossible to you. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, that's not Jesus saying If your faith is this small, but you have all the doubt in the world, as long as you have this precious amount of faith, it'll work for you. No. It's actually, if you have this amount of faith with no unbelief, that's the power of faith. You don't need much of it. You just need it in its pure form without doubt or unbelief. Because the Bible says, He that doubts is like the waves of the sea tossed to and fro. Let not that man expect to receive anything from the Lord. That's what you see. That's what you see in the story of the 12 spies. Ten of them doubted. Two of them did it. Two of them received what God had promised. Ten of them never received it. How do you crush unbelief? How do you you have to connect yourself to the word of God? He that abides in me and my words abide in him. He'll ask for whatever he wants, and it shall be done for him. He that not just visits my word, abides in my word. When you live in the word of God, it'll crush unbelief. It'll crush doubt. It'll crush the voice of your carnal mind trying to rise up, trying to tell you, oh, could, did God really say that? Did, yeah, that's exactly Satan's ploy from the beginning. Did God really say? Is that what God said? Is that, is that really what the word of God says? When you're ignorant of the word of God, You'll be absolutely defenseless against doubt and unbelief. But when you are, have an overflow of His Word on the inside of you, doubt and unbelief won't even have an entry point. It won't have an access point into your life. But the second, what is it? 2 Corinthians 10. We have weapons of warfare that are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of the stronghold of unbelief. And it takes every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. The Word of God will take every opposing thought captive to the obedience of the Word of God. And it will punish any thought that's disobedient. So, James 1 says, you're to pray in faith. Let me show you an example of this. Turn to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41. So, just a little background. Elijah, in First Kings eight, uh, 1 Kings 17, proclaims a drought on the land. Now, you know what's interesting? I, used, I was taught, and I, I've never heard this up until recently, Listen to a sermon by John Osteen. That Elijah, when he proclaimed that drought on the land, it was because, you know, he, he was the prophet of God and that he can just speak a thing and it would come to pass. So he just spoke, let there be a drought for no reason. And the drought came. But in, in reality, Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy actually says that if, if the people of Israel are to forsake God and follow after the foreign gods of this world, that God would actually shut up the heavens. So when Elijah proclaimed the drought on the land, he actually was just, he had read. What had already been written, that if Israel was to forsake God, that God would, for, would, would forsake them. He'd shut up the heavens. So Elijah was actually enforcing what Deuteronomy actually said. I think it's Deuteronomy 26, that if you'll not diligently hearken unto my, I, Deuteronomy 28, I will shut up the heavens and I'll not give you rain in its season. So Elijah wasn't actually something like, like we've read in James chapter 5 throughout this whole week. God, Elijah was a man of like nature. But he knew how to pray. He knew how to get God's attention. That's a classic example. God, he probably prayed a prayer. It's not noted in the scriptures, but I guarantee. You, he prayed a prayer very similar to this. God, I pray, as you've said in your word, if, if Israel were to forsake you, that you'd shut up the heavens and not allow rain in its season. I ask you now, accept in my word shut the heavens up, that they might learn and know that it was God who was always the one to prosper them. And for three years, there was no rain. There wasn't dew or rain in the land of, of Israel. And Elijah said, accept at my word. Then it came a time where in first Kings 18, you read it, where Elijah contends with the prophets of Baal. And you know the story, the fire came from heaven. The God had answers by fire. Let him, let, him, uh, let him be God. God answered by fire. He killed the prophets of Baal. And then Israel repented and turned their hearts back to God. So now that they've turned their hearts back to God, What does the Bible say? If you'll turn back, if you'll return to me, God said, I'll return to you. And I'll open to you the heavens again and give you rain. So that's where we're at. Elijah then reads that and takes, takes the word of God and enforces it through prayer. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and eat and drink, for there is the sound of an abundance of rain. When you pray in faith, there has to be, not just you praying in faith and then you leave the prayer closet and you just, well, let's just hope things pan out. No, your prayer, your words after you pray have to line up with your words while you're praying. E- e- Elijah was about to go and pray for something, but he, all, he decreed it before it even came to pass. Before he even prayed about it. He said, no, I hear the sounds of an abundance. I'm going to pray for rain, but I'm already hearing with my spirit the sound of an abundance of rain. You have to start declaring it constantly, out, even outside of your prayer closet. What I'm believing for is here. I am already hearing the chains falling off. I'm already hearing my marriage restoring. I'm already hearing my children coming back to the Lord. I'm already hearing the good report of the doctor saying the cancer is gone. I'm already hearing the sound of an abundance of God's favor on my life. So Ahab went up to eat and drink and Elijah went to the top of Carmel and he bowed down to the ground and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. So he went up, looked and said, there's nothing. And seven times he said, go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there's a cloud as small as a man's hand. Rise up and go Rise up. Sorry, there's a cloud as small as the hand, a man's hand rising up out of the sea. So he said, Go up now and say to Ahab, Prepare your chariots, for there's the sound. Oh, sorry, prepare your chariots and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. And he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Je- Jezreel. You see here, not only did he, he speak it, that there's, a, there's an abundance of rain coming, before he even saw faith sees even when there's no evidence. Faith sees even when there's no natural evidence that attests to it. Faith, faith has an evidence that's beyond natural evidence. And that's the evidence of the word of God. Elijah had already heard from the word of God. That if Israel is to repent, I'll open up the heavens and I'll pour you out an abundance of rain. So he already had evidence in his spirit. That's why he was able to confidently assert, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. You know what the Bible said? That if you'll serve God, he'll bless your bread and your water. And he'll take sickness out of your midst. You can start declaring like Ahab said, I hear the sound of an abundance of health in my body. I see health running through my veins. I see blood that's health, blood, no blood pressure problems. I see, uh, 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 uh I see a, a a mind that's not cloudy running. I'm I, I see abundance of health and divine nature flowing through my body. You know, you can you can declare that because when you see it from the word, that's enough evidence for you to start speaking it in your mouth, out of your mouth. Go up and drink, for there's an abundance of rain. E- Elijah went up to Carmel. He bowed his face down to the ground, put his face between his knees, and said, he told his servant, go up and see. That's another thing. If, imagine if Elijah was like most people today. His servant comes back and says, well, I don't, I don't actually hear anything. I don't actually see anything. There's no rain. Uh, well, I guess we tried. Faith never gives up. When you pray in faith, you're not giving up. Faith in prayer is persistence in prayer. That I'm not, I've touched the hem of his garment, and I'm not releasing until what I desire is released from him. I have have laid hold to the hem of his garment, and I'm not releasing until what I desire is released from him. That's what praying the prayer of faith, it's praying with absolute expectation, that in nothing I shall be ashamed. Philippians 1, Paul said that. I know that this will turn for my deliverance. I know, I know, I I know that this will turn for my deliverance. Why? Through your prayers and the supply of the Spirit of Christ and my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I'll be ashamed. Nothing. God doesn't want to leave you ashamed. God wants to take you out of shame and reproach and put you into glory and virtue. In nothing I'll be ashamed. Go and look again. You don't see it the first time. Don't give up. The Bible says, do not grow weary in well-doing. For in due time, you shall reap a harvest if you don't give up. People give up prematurely. And so they're, they, they they never get the full fledge of their harvest. They give up too early. If you won't give up, you'll see that God hasn't given up on you. But you'll also see that the devil will let up. When you don't give up, the devil will let up. When you do not give up, the devil will let up. He's a quitter. He's a quitter. He gives up so easily. But he'll, he'll, he knows your persistence. The devil has, can analyze how persistent you'll be. He knows if I can just hold off to here. But if you'll surprise him in being a little more persistent. The Bible says we're to be persistent in prayers we to not lag in diligence. Where are to be fervent in spirit. We're to pray without ceasing. If you'll pray without ceasing, the devil will cease to harass you. If you'll pray without ceasing, the devil will cease to harass you. But if you'll cease from praying, your your harassment and your oppression will never cease. If you'll cease to pray, your oppression will never cease. But if you'll pray without ceasing, that oppression will cease miraculously, suddenly, and immediately. Hallelujah! I see, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that a grace to pray will come on you. A grace to pray big prayers. Actually, turn to 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 3. Thanks for joining me today. 2 Kings chapter 3. Verse 14. Elisha said, As the Lord lives, whom I stand, surely, were were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I wouldn't even look at you, nor see you. But now bring me a musician. Then it happened when the musician played, that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, Thus says the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, You will not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water so that your cattle and your animals may drink. They were in a drought. Another drought. Nobody was, There was no water. Now, if you have no food for a little while, you can survive. No water. You won't live past four days, I think it is, or five days. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind nor rain, yet shall that valley be filled with water, so that you and your cattle and your animals may drink. Understand that this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord, and He'll also deliver the Moabites Into your hand. Three things. About uh, praying faithful prayers. Number one. Verse 16 says. Make this valley full of ditches. Engage in labor intensive. Prayer. And studying the word. Engage in the labor intensive work. Of studying the word. And enforcing that word in prayer. Day and night. Make this valley full of ditches. There was something that Israel had to do. If they were going to have those. Valleys filled with, those ditches filled with, wa- filled with water. If you will not pray, you will not receive. Make this valley full of, now it's not an easy thing to, to dig ditches all throughout valleys, especially when you haven't drank or eat, ate anything for a little while. It's a hard thing. It's not easy. It takes a lot of work, a lot of energy. But, and that's exactly what prayer is. Prayer is labor intensive. Prayer is not cheap talk. Prayer is hard work. And in all labor, there's profit. I've been reading Luke 18, that woman, that widow who demanded adversary. She didn't give up. She kept pressing. She kept pressing. There has to be a press in your prayer in order for your prayer to become effective. If there's no press, uh, those cheap prayers, Father, I just pray, bless my day, give me favor. To... That's not. You're not going to have any blessing. Your blessing will match your prayer, cheap. But if you'll have a pressing in your spirit that I will not let go, until I receive that which I've demanded. Or rec- that which I've desired from the Lord. You'll see. That, that pressing will actually create room for you. In the throne room. Number one. Engage in the labor intensive work of praying. And enforcing that word in prayer. Number two. Verse 17 says. You shall not see wind. Nor shall you see rain. Never allow your five senses to blind you. From what your faith is seen. Abraham did not waver. For he looked to the promise. He didn't look to his problems. He looked to his promise. Don't look. If you look to your problems, your, your problems will multiply. But if you look to the promise, the promise of God will be attracted to you. The word of God is attracted to those that look to it. The Bible says that he that despises my word will be destroyed. But he that fears and regards my commandments will be rewarded. You never allow what's around you to affect what's in you. Rather, you let the Word of God in you to influence change with what's around you. You never allow what's around you to influence what's in you. You allow what's in you to influence what's around you, to affect change in in real life circumstances and situations. Never allow what's around you. I'll say it again, because I really feel to say it again. Never allow what's around you To affect what's in you. Let what's in you affect the word of God in you. Declared out of your mouth. Prayed through. Pressing prayers from what's in you. To affect change in what's around you. And then number three. This is a simple thing in the eyes of the Lord. Always recognize that what you're praying for is easy for God. Nothing makes God sweat. Nothing gets God to scratch his head. Nothing. Nothing pressures God everything is easy to God the Bible says That uh, thou Lord are the one who made the heavens and the earth. Nothing is too difficult for you Nothing is even remotely hard for God. Nothing makes God sweat. You have to remember that You might be sweating, but God is not sweating You might be feeling pressure, but God is not feeling pressure And if you'll pray, you'll access his presence where there's no pressure, but there's pleasure at his right hand. Lack of prayer will will amplify pressure. But if you'll pray and pray fervently and pray expectantly and pray. Knowing that nothing is difficult for God, you'll see that that pressure will soon turn to pleasure. Pleasure in that God, joy, an expecting joy, that God is too faithful to fail. That what he promised, he's able to perform, being fully persuaded, what God has promised. I'm not casting away my confidence in God's word, for the Bible says that it holds a promise to those that endure. I have need of endurance. When I've endured, God's promise will come. This is a simple thing in the eyes of God. A simple thing, an easy thing, effortless thing for God. What you're going through, God, God is not sweating about. You might be sweating, God is not sweating. You know, there was, uh, I was reading Smith Wigglesworth once, speaking on prayer of faith. He, he went to a, a house once and there was a, a, a child that was sick and the parents had asked him to come and pray for their child who was dying. And uh, he, it was back in the day when you would heat up your clothes before you put them on. And so she was bedridden for years. And so he told the parents, I want you to take her clothes that she hasn't worn in a long time. And I want you to heat them up because she's coming out of that bed today. And only when you heat those clothes up will I pray. You know, that tells a lot. That shows something that Wigglesworth knew. That God had no obligation to perform anything that we weren't ready to believe him for. And faith is not just in words. Faith is work. What you're praying for, set yourself up to receive. If you really believe God, set yourself up to receive the thing you're praying for. Don't just pray and live life as if you're not, you're not receiving any answer to that prayer. Pray and set things up as if that thing has already been given into your hands. Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Whatever you pray believe that you have received it not that you will receive it that's the prayer of faith it's believing that the second my mouth utters the words the promise has already been delivered and i'm just we're just waiting the physical manifestation but i already have it i already have the license to that thing i already have the deed to that thing faith is the title deed of the things that you're expecting you you already have it you're not waiting for it that's what a lot of people get wrong in healing Well, I'm just believing God for my healing. You're not believing God for your healing. You're already the healing. Everything God has done and will, there's nothing God has left to do when it comes to your healing. He's already sent his son to receive 39 lashes. You're not believing God to work for your healing. God has already worked for your healing. Now you're just working to receive that healing. You work your faith to receive it. I'm just believing God that one day, one day it'll never happen. Now faith is believe you pray it, believe you've received it, and now act as if it's already in your hands. Or just waiting for you wait a long time if you're waiting. God doesn't wait with waiters. He doesn't sit with sitters. Sitters sounded like a uh, guy from Massachusetts. He doesn't sit with sitters. He doesn't sit with sitters. He works with work. Abraham was accounted as righteousness. Why? It was accounted as righteous. Why? Because faith was working together with his works. So that without his works, faith was not perfected. You know what? Abraham's faith, how it was working in his day? A hundred years old. And even at that age, he was still being intimate with his wife. Believing God for a child. That's faith. At a hundred years old. And that takes, you know, that takes a lot of faith. She was like 90 years old. And still, he was working it out. Believing God. No, our child's coming. Our child's coming. Can you say amen? Believe that you have received it and you shall have it. Smith Wigglesworth came in about half an hour later. Did you you lay out the clothes? No. Well, that's why God hasn't done anything. Lay out the clothes. The parents wouldn't do it because they, they had been so long in a rut that they didn't even know what it would they didn't even know what it meant to live without with that girl being well and healthy so they didn't even they didn't even they had no expectation but why have him come pray if they're not even going to expect him to why why pray about something if you're not expecting why waste your breath if you're not going to expect god to actually turn it around why waste your time why waste energy Instead, you should do what the Bible says. The effective, fervent prayer avails much. If I'm going to take the time to pray, God will take the time to deliver results. Hallelujah. You're here today, and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says God is far from the wicked. He hears the prayers of the righteous. And there's only one way to become righteous in God's sight, and that's to give your life to Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can become righteous. All the righteousness of men in good words, good deeds, without Christ, it's dirty rags to God. God does has no respect for donations to charity, has no respect for your volunteering on a weekly basis. doesn't care about that. You'll still go to hell. You know, doing all those things and being a kind person might keep you out of jail, but it takes the blood of Jesus to keep you out of hell. So you need to get right with God. You need to turn from sin today. Jesus Christ died a sinner's death. He took on sin. He shed his blood so that we wouldn't have to... To live in sin. And that we wouldn't have to go to hell. That we would not only just in the future go to heaven. But now live with heaven on earth. That we, there's a way out. Of life's trial. The Bible says. Behold don't, don't be overcome with fear. For I have overcome the world. And he that believes on me has overcome as well. You can join the victor's camp. You can join the overcomer's camp. You can join the party of overcomers. But it takes you coming to Jesus. It takes you. Giving your life, dedicating your life to Christ today. If you you want to do that today, turn from sin and turn to Christ. Leave your old life behind, which hasn't helped you. That's why you tuned into this broadcast in the first place, because you're not satisfied. And even if you were satisfied, if you've never given your life to Jesus, that satisfaction won't be long-lived. It's a short-lived satisfaction. The Bible says the pleasures of sin is but for a while, but then it brings forth death. There comes a day where where the, the crap hits the fan. And everything will, t- will turn sour. You can avoid that by giving your life to Jesus now. Let me tell you, ever since I gave my life to Christ, it's ne- there's never been a down day. There's never been a day where, where, where I was in a rut ever again. I'm telling you, it's been blessed, effortless, a- and a beautiful ride. A great adventure. Lester Sumrall wrote a book, Adventuring with Christ, of his feats and exploits that he did as he gave his life to Christ. Let me tell you. There's no going backwards when you, when you get saved. There's only, you can only move upward and you can only move forward. So I encourage you, if you need to do that today, pray this with me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in my heart. God raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. I turn from my sin and I turn to you. Wash me clean. Make me a new creation. Where I was weak, make me strong. Burn off my old life and infuse your new life into me. In Jesus' name, amen. You prayed that prayer, I want you to go on our website, salvationnow.ca. And the first tab that shows up is I just got saved. I want you to fill that out. And I want to send a gift to you uh, free of cost. I'm not asking you for money. I'm trying to get something to you. I want to bless you with it. So if you would do that, I would be greatly appreciated. And uh, welcome to the family of God. If you'd like to give today, you can do so by going, on, going to salvationnow.ca/give. Uh, you can give a one-time gift, or you can become a monthly partner with us. We're uh, getting ready now to do our Hope Fest in August. August 10th, Saint-Léonard, Quebec. Uh, Quebec is the least evangelized area in all of North America, and this is going to be a great evangelistic thrust where I'm setting my faith for a thousand new decisions for Christ. Fresh decisions, not second recommitments. I'm talking about new. De- New, fresh dedication, first-time dedications, first-time decisions for Christ. And uh, if you want to join us and partner with us financially, it, it would be greatly appreciated. Not, not only, it, it doesn't really, you know, God will get the money to us regardless, but I'm talking about for your sake. When you sow your seed into soul-winning ground, you, you guarantee a harvest for yourself. Turn to 3 John chapter 1, actually. I'll I'll finish with this, and then we'll move on. 3 John 1. Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers who have borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them... So he's talking about evangelists and traveling, traveling preachers. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well because they went forth for their for his name's sake taking nothing from the gentiles meaning they didn't go around doing crusades taking offerings from people who had just given their lives to Christ which we obviously don't take offerings at our hope fest we therefore ought to receive such that we might become fellow partakers for the truth or workers with them for the truth we therefore ought to receive or partner with such that we might become fellow workers for the truth when you partner with Ministries like this, in reaping the harvest, though you're not the one on the stage preaching the gospel, you become a fellow partaker of the reward that comes on this ministry as a result of that work. You, you, be, you tie yourself in, the sower and the reaper, tying themselves in together to rejoice over the reward. Paul said to the, the Philippian church, I don't seek the gift that you're giving me, but I seek now the gift and the fruit that abounds to your account. It's more blessed to give than to receive, Jesus said. Because when you give, the Bible says, it shall be given back unto you, pressed down, shaken together, falling over into your lap. Matter of fact, it's the one place in the Bible where it says, test me now in this. I don't give to just any ministry. I give to ministries that are winning the loss. When you you partner financially, which the Bible says, where your treasure is, there your heart is. When you're partnering financially, you're actually tying your heart to that work. When you tie your heart to the work that which God has His heart tied to in the first place. Soul winning is God's heart. When you tie your heart to God's heart, the Bible says, I'll open up the heavens for you and pour you out a blessing. So much so, you will not have enough room to retain it all. So I encourage you today. Ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, what will you have me give? If you, you know, a lot of people, God increases their financial level multiple times. You know, but they're still giving the same level that they gave when they, when they first, you know, sold that first seed. If God has increased you, you your level of giving should increase. We, we don't give the same amount that we gave, me and my wife, when we first got married. When we first got married, I remember, I think it was like $200 was stretching our faith. Like that was, $200 was, good. you know, God, you need to come through. Now... doesn't put a dent in us. It doesn't do much for us. We're we're contending for more, so we're giving more. And I will not offer unto the Lord that which costs me nothing. Lord, what is something that we just sold another, you know, a large offering into a ministry just recently? Because we're, I'm not not staying at the same level. If you stay at the same level of giving, your levels will never change financially. But I, I know that God has a place for me at the top to be one who lends to nations. And I'll never be able to lend to nations if I can't upgrade my level of giving first. So I would encourage you, ask the Lord today, what will you have me give? What what represents a significant offering for me? What's a love offering? What represents an offering of love for my and at my obviously, you know, don't don't give yourself into debt. Don't ever do that. You the Bible says you give according to what you have. But ask the Lord, what represents an offering of faith today? We talk about praying with faith. Well, you're praying, if you're praying for financial increase, you actually can't pray that prayer until you first give. It's like a a farmer asking God for an increase in his crops without sowing more seed. He can't can't do that. It would be very foolish for a farmer to expect more crops on 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 the seed he's sown unless he increases the seed he sows. The Bible says, now may he who gives seed to the sower and bread for food, Increase and multiply the fruit of your har- heart multiply the fruit of your harvest and of your righteousness if if your harvest if you 're desiring your harvest to increase, your seed sowing must increase as well so i 'll leave you with that i'll thank you in advance for your giving. I know God will supply all you need as you 're obedient to him and to his and to his demands. We love you. God bless you. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Maokanji, or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.